There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen, and my law firm Brown & Crouppen sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown & Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. 105.7 HD2, the Ryan Kelly morning after. Oh, they're going to be playing this tomorrow when the Gamecocks come a-calling. Nobody's playing better in South Carolina. Except everybody. Game Arkansas. Run. It seems like everyone's giving Arkansas a run these days. <laughs> It's the Ryan Kelly morning after Maggie O'Brien's nine o'clock hour. Timothy Michael McKernan, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency has replaced Ken Strode. Good morning. Three one four nine six one forty eight hundred. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. He's my insurance agent, and I'm happy about it. We're going to lunch this week, aren't we? I think so. Yeah. Nice. Secret location, Jackson. <laughs> I'm clearly clearly missed the input on that one. <laughs> uh, Jackson's on the ones and twos because the Plowhawk is ill. But it has not stopped him from giving takes. If anything, it might have poured gasoline on the fire. Plowick, you are banty. If drink puts out a bat <laughs> signal, it could be over. <laughs> and uh, Doug Vaughn is on the Ken Strode Yeah, I was thinking now. the same thing. He's out chatting somebody. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's had enough as well. Uh, is the Colonel with us? Colonel's with us. The Colonel, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Online at carltoninsurance.net. Make the switch. They do all the paperwork for you. And they're the best, and I'm so happy I made the switch. Ladies and gentlemen, Gabe DeArmond of PowerMizzou.com. Good morning, Colonel. Hey, what's going on, guys? Well, uh, James and Jackson are really unhappy about what took place in Starkville at the Hump on yeah. Saturday. Jackson uh, was so despondent that he went and shot billiards <laughs> uh, at a pool hall in South City with older gentlemen on Saturday night. Pool hall. Is that unusual, or is that just kind of what he does well, every He's 24. Yeah. <laughs> he is 24. Win or lose, we shoot stick. But uh, anytime Caleb Brown gets the minutes he's getting, it kind of gets me a little crestfallen. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was kind of ugly. But also, I mean, Missouri was supposed to lose that game. Yeah. Uh, it was on the road against a team that's actually a little bit higher than they are in the net yeah, ranking. How about um, that? It was, you know, it, it was – I don't really understand these like seventy-one percent chance to win and stuff. I don't. I don't know how people come to those numbers exactly. But point is, um, Missouri was an underdog. They were expected to lose that game. They lost that game. I understand people being frustrated by how they lost that game because I didn't think Mississippi State necessarily played particularly well. It was more about Missouri just absolutely making no shots and, and turning the ball over more than they usually do. Uh, rotations and lineups were a little bit strange, but it is far from, you know, a crippling loss for Missouri season. I think a lot of times people just say, well, 
we should never lose to that team. Uh, they tend to say it about almost every team, which is, you know, makes it uh, kind of hard because uh, you're going to lose some teams along the way. Well, what do you see going forward now? You think they have got enough going in the tank to, to get into the tournament? Yeah, I mean, they will be significant underdogs at Tennessee and Auburn, which will not be bad losses. Those would be just fine. Um, they've got three games, two games they absolutely have to win. They've got to beat Ole Miss at home. They've got to beat South Carolina at home tomorrow night. It would be um, recommended to go win at LSU, which is – uh, has lost like 10 in a row or something like that and has not played well. Um, and, and then it basically comes down to you've got three other games, uh, Texas A&M and Mississippi State at home at Georgia. If you can win one of those, you're almost certainly in the tournament. If you can win two, you're a lock for the tournament. Um, Missouri has two things going for it on its its resume. It, every single loss, is a good loss, is a quad one loss, according to the NCAA. And they have zero bad bad losses. You know, they've beaten some good teams, and they haven't lost to anybody that's not considered, you know, a, a good loss. So given all that, uh, I mean, I went through and broke down. There are 93 people that project brackets somewhere along the line. All 93 of them have Missouri in the field as of today. It will take... It would take probably two bad losses, uh, two games that they shouldn't lose in the last eight games to, to knock them out, I would think. You worry about getting blown out at Tennessee? Would that hurt them, or is that under the category of you were supposed to lose that game anyway? I mean, a lot of people get blown out at Tennessee. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, no, I, if you get. I mean, Tennessee doesn't blow a lot of teams out because they don't score. I mean, they might blow you out 63 to 40, I guess. You know, um, but no, that's Tennessee's the number two or three team in the country. Yeah. Uh, if you go lose that game by a decent amount, so be it. It, only scored, it just means you're not a top ten team. Yeah, only scored forty six against a forty six to forty three game against yeah, Auburn. That that's a something. that's a strange score. Gabe, yeah, I am. Uh, horrendous yeah what, that was such a weird like i felt like gene hackman was on the sidelines yeah, it was such real. a weird game god it had to cover the yeah. under by like 40 points i would Please. imagine yeah. um this this i don't know what your the reaction on power mizzou was on saturday night um but and, and i realize that's that those are the hardcore fans so i understand it's probably more extreme than the average fan but for yeah. me having observed college basketball for a good amount of time you expect these kinds of games unless you are take your pick of whoever you would cite as the best college basketball team of the last 20 years um and whoever the elite i mean earlier in the day we saw purdue lose they battled back but they lost in bloomington it's just kind of the deal especially on the road that very rarely, even even great teams, I mean, that 1994 Missouri team lost by whatever number of points it was in Fayetteville. Granted, that was before yeah. Paul O'Linney arrived. But, I mean, it's, it's just kind of part of the deal in college basketball. You're going to have these. But I feel like, and maybe it's just because the recent years of Missouri basketball have been so bad, with the exception of a couple, that there is this, well, see, this proves that they're not that good. And so a loss against what is a a decent or good Mississippi State team stands out more than than I would think it normally would if Missouri had been good the last few years. 
In other words, yeah, I feel I, like it was kind of an overreaction to something that I kind of was not surprised to see or that all that upset by because I kind of Yeah, expected. I think it was an overreaction, and, and I think there's two reasons for it. First of all, we are a country of football fans. Every game is a referendum. Every game is like the season is riding on it, right? That's not the case in college basketball. It just isn't. They play – 32 games at, a, at, at an absolute minimum. The best team in the country is probably going to lose four. There are going to be teams in the NCAA tournament that have double-digit losses. I, I mean, that's, that's how it works every single year. The second thing is I think a lot of teams just – they only pay attention to their – or a lot of fans only pay attention to their team. They don't have a big context for what's going on around the rest of the country. I mean – I went through so many tournament resumes for for what I wrote this morning. The two teams that Missouri is the closest to right now in terms of overall record, conference record, home record, road record, strength of losses, all that, are Auburn and Duke. If you ask a Missouri fan, oh, Auburn, I mean, they're, they're much better. They're easily in the tournament. Duke, hey, they're not as good as Duke's been, but Duke's still good. Duke's easily in the tournament. Missouri? Oh my God! We just lost to Mississippi State. We might be out. You know, but they've got identical resumes. Uh, those are the two teams. They would all three probably be about seven seats as of today. So I just think it's it's a little bit of a myopic view of your own team, and, and people just can't switch over from football, where every single game is is this. You know, either we have to fire somebody or, I mean, it was literally three days ago that, that people wanted Dennis Gates lock up because what if somebody comes and tries to take him? You know, and now, oh my God, we might not even make the tournament. We're not very good. It's just, I, I've said it a million times. I, I don't think I could live on the emotional roller coaster that a diehard sports fan lives on these days. Gabe, good morning. I, I guess the frustrating thing in Starksville for me is you want to go down with your best lineup. And it, it was just odd. You're seeing guys that don't really warrant a whole lot of playing time. Yeah. Now, I think I think what, at least this is a fan sitting on a couch, I think he was trying to match rebounding in some fashion with some taller people. You want Gates fired? No, not at all. But but I, but I guess, I mean, if, if the barometer is 70 points or more, you win. I mean, that's that's what we have to go off of right now. Put in your best offensive lineup. I mean, and, and then try to play your style and see if yeah. it can and outmatch theirs. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think more than trying to match rebounding, what he was trying to do is have somebody other than Kobe Brown defending Tolu Smith. Got it. Um, because you don't want to put Kobe Brown on on a guy like that because then if he gets two fouls, you know, a minute and 30 seconds in, like Noah Carter did, then you're without your best player for the whole game. So I think the idea was let's put other guys on him. Well, then Noah Carter picked up three fouls in the first 12 minutes. And so now you're down. You don't have Ronnie DeGray available. You don't have Trey Gomillion available. So you're down to where you playing Aiden Shaw, Mo Diara. He played Mabor Majak and, and Caleb Brown, who I assume are the guys you're talking about. And, and I think it was strange, too. I, I mean, I didn't really get it now. I, I think he had a plan going in, and that plan didn't work because when Missouri <laughs> made the run to make it like a three-point game in the second half, they did it with Kobe Brown and four guards. And so as it turns out, in retrospect, would that have been a better approach? Might have been. Um, but, but I think that was, was kind of the reasoning for what he did. Seems to me Mizzou's not the only team out there that lives and dies by the three. That's that's kind of the game now. 
And when you, when you got yeah. college players shooting rather than NBA players, it explains why you score 87 points on a Wednesday night and 52 points three nights later. And that's why I think, I mean, I watched that game, and, you know, Mississippi State's defense is going to be praised. And don't get me wrong, they're one of the top ten defensive teams in the country by the numbers, so obviously they're pretty good at it. But Missouri missed a lot of shots that I've seen Missouri make a lot this year. I, I mean, they missed some wide-open looks. Uh, they missed some transition threes that they've been good at. And, uh, they just didn't go in. And, and outside of the game at Ole Miss, when they've been on the road, they largely haven't gone in. I, I don't really have an explanation for why that is, but I went through you know all the, like the Power Five leagues plus the Big East this morning. Those teams, which are, you know, theoretically the best teams in America, have won 35% of their road games this year uh, combined. I, I mean, just nobody wins on the road. Uh, it's, it, it's more true in college basketball than it is any other sport. I think it's usually or a lot of times because of officiating. I will give Missouri fans this. Saturday was the first loss in a long time that I literally didn't see one person blame on the officiating. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're turning corners. And yet Jackson still went to some pool sleazy hall. pool hall and played pocket <laughs> billiards he was so upset by on a Saturday night. I don't get 24 it. years old. This is yeah. the stagnant half-court offense. They, it seems to me that when they're not running in transition, it's a lot of standing around, which was a big problem during the Conzo era, and I don't think they've well, remedied they it just, fully. Like, they're not good in half-court, and everybody knows. If you can, everybody knew if you can settle, if Mississippi State played their pace, Missouri wasn't winning a game in the 50s or 60s. I mean, everybody knew that, and credit Mississippi State for frequently, like, they had chances to take early shots, and they didn't do it. And that takes discipline to, to say, no, we can maybe make this, but it's better to just not score than maybe take this layup, which then starts to get Missouri into the game they want to play. And, you know, it's like, I mean, everybody said this all year. They are a flawed team. They have some weaknesses, um, just like almost every other team in the country. And if you can get them in a low-possession, half-court game, you're probably going to beat them. Uh, Colonel, final question for you. Uh, The Super Bowl is this Sunday. Your Chiefs are in it. Last number I saw was Philadelphia minus one and a half. Uh how do you feel about this thing? Like, how did you feel going into the 49ers Super Bowl? How do you feel about the Buccaneers Super Bowl? Where 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 are you on this one? Um, like, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, if they get most of their guys back, I, I think uh, they've got a good shot, especially if they get up, need to get up uh, early in the game because I don't think Jalen Hurts can beat them throwing the football. Uh, but I don't know. Um, it has to. Hopefully, it's it's more entertaining than the last one was uh, because the Tampa one was was not particularly fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I'm hoping just uh, give 15 the ball with the with the chance in the fourth quarter, and I'll take my chances. If the Chiefs lose, where do you go to play billiards? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I I don't believe that that will be on the agenda. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So it is unusual to do. All right. Are you going to tweet about the Chiefs during a Missouri game by mm-hmm. chance? Um, I'm I'm unlikely, but if if Nick Bolton makes a game altering play, I may tweet about that. Oh, Unacceptable. Uh, it will it will probably be during the Missouri women's game yeah. next week. So I hope that doesn't offend anyone. Mm. Oh, but last time Iggy uh, tweeted at you about the Missouri women's team, I don't think they have they won since. Yeah. No, they're <laughs> well, ice well, cold since. <laughs> 
does, does James sit in for Iggy during my segments? He does. James That's really right. wants to or because Iggy really – It's just a mic cinch. I think it's – Colonel Lang, it's letter C. I think James <laughs> enjoys it, and I think Ken is happy to be outside. Iggy's in the kitchen, it, absolutely loves every second of yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's in the kitchen. Fair enough. Yeah. And, yeah. Gabe, are you, are you joining us in St. Louis this week? Uh, Tiger Club, yeah. I yeah. will be there tomorrow at uh, Lou <laughs> I picked up a read. Groves. You, can, <laughs> you can come watch me answer the same questions I answer on our That's why my, my read was correct. My read was correct. We don't get invited to do that. No, not at all. <laughs> well, I remember we did do one. Me, you, and the cat were asked like a decade ago, and Gabe was also on the panel. Yeah. And within two minutes, it became clear to us and everyone in the audience that we had nothing right. and Gabe had here? all the answers. Right. <laughs> and we were just the nitwits mm. sitting up front with Gabe. Or eye candy, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's what we learned. <laughs> Colonel, how do you watch the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Do you watch it? I mean, I know your 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 boys are older now, so it's not like you got little kids on, running on around like television? I do. Well, don't be a smart ass Colonel. Oh. Like do you watch it do you watch it with do you watch it with the misses or do you watch it with friends? Like for example, we had a we had a football franchise here uh, a long time ago and <laughs> mm-hmm. they played in the Super Bowl. And the first year, they, I wanted to watch it by myself. Now, the second year, I was yeah. there because it's so I'm so locked in. I don't want somebody, you know, interrupting it. So how how do you handle it? I mean, we're yeah, the first one, I actually, uh, I drove and, and met my oldest son halfway. And ah, we, watched it at, we watched it at a bar in Omaha, uh, at a Chiefs bar in Omaha. The, the last one and probably this one, I'll just watch it home with my wife. I, I'm not a fan of Super Bowl parties in general because I want to watch the game and I don't want to be around a bunch of people that don't want to watch the game and particularly if if my team is involved um, I don't want to be around a bunch of people that that don't particularly know or care about the game and are just there for the seven layer dip seven layer dip I didn't realize this it happened to be on this weekend on the NFL Network the Chiefs and 49ers one I didn't remember this do you guys I, I know Gabe does I'm certain Gabe does but that the Chiefs were down 20 to 10 with like five minutes left in that oh, one? yeah. I mean, I bet the live really? number on that was the Niners, you know, minus oh 600. So when that's, that was Holy a great comeback. crap. I just, I, for whatever reason, I had forgotten that they were down by that much and had that comeback. Like I said, I'm sure every Chiefs fan and a lot of St. Louisans have adopted the Chiefs, but I didn't remember that at all. I, that, that's uh, that's signature right there, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, but it was about five minutes left, right? Uh, they, they made it 2017 with like six-something yeah. left, but yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't look promising, um, you know. So let's hope it, it's a little, uh, a little more breathe easy this weekend. Because just on the surface, I when was that the 2019 Chiefs, 2019 yeah. right, 2019 yeah. season, that that team to me on the surface just is, it seems like it's in another world than the 2019. 2019- 49ers, but I mean, maybe I'm forgetting something. I guess it was about hey, the 49ers defense. Jimmy, Jimmy G, don't. I know. Don't that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you got that, and they didn't have McCaffrey at the time. No. Shanahan's a good coach. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan coaches up. Except for those challenges in the first quarter in Philly. Yeah, that was yeah. a problem. <laughs> uh, Colonel, uh, good luck to uh, your Chiefs and uh, fight Tiger Doug, fight for old Mizzou. Think yeah, about that's that. That's what you do, yeah. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. There he is. Right, uh, that's the Colonel Gabriel P. Right. DeArmond, uh, brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Yeah, I just don't remember that Super Bowl, even though it was a handful of years ago. I don't know if I didn't watch it or what the hell was it. It was on. right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So, like, things. I obviously... think I was in St. Louis, though. I don't think I got down to. Or maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If if the Chiefs win, I mean, obviously, they're, they're a long ways from the Patriots' status of a dynasty, but, I mean, are they up there with the 90s Cowboys, you think, as maybe the second or third best team of your lifetime with, with Andy Reid's regime? No. 
You don't think so? Not not at, not at this moment. I also think that the reason why I th- now this this could be youth bias. I think sometimes we look at things nostalgically sure. uh, from our youth. But I, I mean, I'd go with the 1980s 49ers with yeah, Montana yeah. and Rice. I, I also think <laughs> with the uh, with the Cowboys, you have the Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, and then also there was some personality there with with the Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones thing. Like mm-hmm. it or not, it, it created a dynamic that maybe made it make seem like it was more powerful and had more uh, tenure to it, even though it really was kind of a supernova it was 92 93 95 but they had those rivalries with the packers and the 49ers Niners, yeah. that made it stand out the patriots maybe i'm forgetting but i, I feel like they just kind of had a, i mean they would beat the jets they would beat the ravens they wouldn't the they beat effing yeah. blake bortles you know yeah, get that's there. right i mean you guys had the party i've went i watched that at hot shots i mean I just bizarre it, it, you know they didn't really have at least in my recollection they didn't really have like like the 49ers and Cowboys had this battle that that was rooted before I was around that goes back to the Dwight Clark known as the catch, which I still think is second to Ricky Pearl's catch. But uh, the, the the Chiefs, I, I just I don't I don't view them in that category. But maybe I should. I just don't I don't see them that way. Maybe a comparison would be you know the Cardinals when they had what was it four or five NLCSs in a row and only had what two championships out of that. Hey, they get a championship here. It would be what two of the last four, right? Right. Four? Which would be similar to like the New York Giants won in yeah. eight and twelve, and you don't necessarily think of them. But they've as been like five a five AFC championships in a row, I think. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's, that's that's getting a, into some. And those are that's a stacked conference. I mean, at least top heavy. It, it, it really absolutely is. I mean, right yeah. now with what you have with the Bills and the Bengals. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't, because I, I view it kind of as the Patrick Mahomes show. Yeah, obviously. I mean, look, he had and, no and Kelsey, receivers. Last and don't get me wrong, and, and Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, it's he's the Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, but it's not like there's a an Emmett Smith like back. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, in the 49ers, he was forgotten, but God, he was he was he wasn't as good as Rise, of course. Doug, you know the receiver I'm thinking of with the 49ers. You're the only guy in the, on the dais who could possibly come uh, up with it. I want to say Taylor. But yes, that's it. Yeah, John Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he caught the pass uh, uh, on the drive with the Bengals. I think Taylor caught it, not Rice. I, yeah, it seems right. But he was just he was just kind of a forgotten guy. I mean, with Irvin, there was Alvin Harper, um, if you remember him. But I mean, he was he was you know certainly the you know the, the B guy in, in comparison to Irvin. But they just had so much, and they also had just this personality with him. So when you were going up against him, it felt super intimidating. I could be off the mark on this, but I feel like the the Rams of 99, even offensively 2000, 2001, and in 2003, I think at, at the moment, if you were to ask people who are of a certain age, they would put that team at a higher level than this Chiefs team. That's got nothing to do with the St. Louis, Kansas City thing. Couldn't care any less. From a Hall of Famer standpoint, I don't think there will be any doubt, right? But, but I mean, who knows how this plays out because the Chiefs are in the middle of it. And the yeah. Chiefs could rattle them off. Um, I mean, the Rams missed—I mean, it goes without saying. We're bringing up the dead body here. But the Rams really <laughs> missed an opportunity to, to rattle them off because when you look at that offense, they truly could have done it. It would have been a hell of a series. I didn't get a chance to see that 30-for-30 30 30 last night. Anybody watch it on the no. Ravens? No. If the Rams could have gotten there with that offense but terrible defense and gone up against the 2,000 instead Ravens of the Giants, instead yeah. of the Giants, yeah. Oz Akeem's fumble in New Orleans, oh, my. 
uh, then I think they would have gone and played the Giants, who they beat two months earlier in in uh, it, it uh, wasn't MetLife Stadium; it was Giants Stadium at the time. I was at that game, and both Warner and Falk were hurt, so they beat the NFC champion Giants in New York with Trent Green and Justin Watson. So that just shows you how weak the Giants were that year. Is that when the fumbles started happening for Kurt? Was it? Oh uh, no, game? that was 2003. I was at that game. Too, oh okay, but I well. feel like that was in New York too, right? It was. Okay, it was okay, the opening gotcha. season yeah. of. Uh, of the 2003 season, and then he was eventually benched, and then that became Bulger's team that lost to Steve Smith and the Panthers. Yeah. Jason Seahorn's athletic supporter. Doug, was that the 45-yard <laughs> line, I think, where Steve Something Smith like blazed it? Looking back, it's amazing how quick the trigger was on Warner, who'd led him to two Super Bowls. Ah, he's hurt. Let's get rid of him. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, Mark did really well for a few years there. I mean, yeah. you didn't see a drop-off, and Kurt struggled in New York, and yeah, obviously, in hindsight. You know, what a time that was. You weren't doing sports radio at that time. What a time that was for sports radio. Yeah. In the morning, Brian wasn't around at that time. What a time that was. That is, that's like a Swope's picks waiting to happen, but he'd have to talk to some of the people who were doing it at the time because there was a religious element yeah. to that yep. that was insane. It, that, and, I, and I was doing it, I'm only like 24 or 5, and I'm kind of sensing it, and it's this weird thing going on with, it was it was something else. I don't know how many people remember that, but and then how many people were even doing it. But it was a weird deal. And it's not like Bulger was a heathen, but if you were really religious, you were you were Kurt Team Warner Kurt. through and well. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Kurt Warner's the greatest guy in the world, and I'm a heathen. You know, so I'm in a weird spot. <laughs> but I think he's the greatest guy in the world. Um, yeah, you're right, Doug. And they pulled him. And uh, and then they brought him back in. They lost in week 17 to the Lions. And had they won, the Lions were garbage, as per usual, up yeah. until this year. And had they won that, they would have had the number one seed in the playoffs. And they lost to the Lions. They I think they brought Warner in for a series, which was really weird just to try to do it. But they said they were going to do it. And then that is why they wound up playing the Panthers as opposed to whoever the Eagles wound up beating. And then I think the Eagles lost to the Panthers in the NFC Championship game. But the Rams lost to the Panthers in overtime with the Steve Smith. But that's where Mart sat on the football as opposed to go for it. And he was he was, he was was destroyed in New Orleans in February of 2002. He was never the same man. Never the same man. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. mm, that was the downfall. And I guess they won one more against Seattle the following year and then got crushed yes. by Mike Vick. Yeah, I was that's at right. that one in Atlanta, okay. too. And okay, Vick gotcha. just ran all over. They were only like a 500 team that year, though. That's correct. Yeah. 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 And that was a time. That's another time. Boy, what a time. This is another Swope's picks waiting to happen where there was a war going on internally in the St. Louis sports media. You were either with the Rams being good or tanking for draft picks. Not not tank, no not that, but but it was it was like this debate as to whether or not they're good. And it was a weird deal. That's where uh, Jack Snow called into Kevin Slayton's show and they argued about it and that's where Jack Snow said you understand rubber band. Oh gosh. <laughs> And there's a, actually some media brawling going on out there at Rams Park. Oh, my God. Just unbelievable. Just like mm-hmm. a cow pasture in the middle of the country. <laughs> you guys got an NFL team up? We fight each other. We argue whether or not the team's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, we'll all be watching. Yeah, yeah, we'll all be watching. I'll take the Chiefs with. If you give Patrick Mahomes points, come on. I, I, I mean, I love Jalen Hurts. By the way, I have been underestimating the Eagles. Hey, Jackson, you called the Super Bowl. I mean, I realize it's chalky, it's chalky. but hey, you you called it. Yeah. I was, I was, I was uh, Bills and 49ers. So. That's, I think that's what I would have gone with too. Yeah, I've been on the Eagle bandwagon all year. I'll have you really? With, I'll stick with them. Tip my yeah. cap. Well, they started out how many in a row? They went at the beginning, nine or ten. Yeah, 
Yeah. Lost to the skins, yeah. yeah. Or I'm sorry, the Washington football team. Thank you, yeah. thank you. And I will tweet at you. Yeah, sorry. My, my apologies. To get you yeah, my apologies. But <laughs> Jalen Hurts, heard. Well, the way he handled the Tua situation, I got nothing but respect for yeah. I mean, he handled that perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly. And and I love Pat Mahomes. I mean, how do you not like the guy? What a, That was like a hockey player that last game, gutting that out. Yeah. I mean, that was a tough, tough showing. So I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good game. Should be. Uh, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800. Thank you, James. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you, Jimbo. And if you want to support uh, the sponsors, also, uh, if you have visibility to your company or place of business, commercial fire alarm panel and system, email fire at edf-rg.com, and they'll have a technician come out and provide a free evaluation of your system and offer the most competitive contract pricing in the market. You can also check them out anytime at edf-rg.com, the official commercial fire alarm services and solutions provider of... T-M-A. EDF can handle all of your company's security and surveillance needs, from surveillance cameras to access card readers to facial recognition software and everything in between its engineered designed facilities. And Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503. 03. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wall Strategies. Go online at evergreenstl.com. Doug, you recall uh, during World War II, uh, he would address the country. Uh, he was over in England, and uh, there was time of great concern. Uh, it was the Blitzkrieg era, and he would get on the radio. And Mark, address. this is Mark Hanna? That's correct. Yeah. I thought that was Franklin Roosevelt. Mm-mm. That was well, Churchill. No, it, people think it's Winston Churchill. It's actually Mark Hanna. I and, don't know that he's he that would, old. He would calm. He would calm. Do you call him his native countrymen? I don't. No. Their fears. I, I didn't think Hanna was born until like the sixties or seventies. <laughs> Omnipresent. Maybe, he's maybe been around. The 80s. He's Ben Button. Yep. yep. Okay. Nothing to fear but fear himself. Amen. That's what he said. That's what he said. Exactly what he said. <laughs> fear, fear himself. Fear himself. Fear himself. Perfect. <laughs> Fear as a pronoun? Gave the arm and fear himself an email today is the title of the segment. I said nothing to fear but fear itself. I think Buck Swope's going to pull up that audio. Three one four eight eight nine zero five zero three or go online at evergreenstl.com. Iggy, I know you were in the kitchen while we were talking about it, but were you doing, were you in St. Louis? Door situation. Door is a charge. <laughs> well, if I let it shut by itself, it sounds like it just broke. Uh, were you in St. Louis during the Kurt Warner, Mark Bolger thing, or were you in Springfield? Uh, I was here. Were you? Yeah. Who were you producing for? Maybe Frank. I was on Frank's show. Maybe that, Bernie. Bernie. Maybe the I don't think Bernie show. was at KFNS. I don't. I don't know, know if so. Bernie would have been in 20, 2003. But I was doing a show with Frank. In 2003. Either oh, way. Oh, three. No, I was in... Doug, where was Iggy producing? I don't know the years. I think I was just coming back from Springfield. I think I was at 920. Or 1380, I think. 920 didn't exist. I think 1380. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, been, this is hilarious. When you've been doing it for 31 years, you don't remember where you are, what time. Well, the reason I ask is what I was telling these guys is it was one of the strangest times in St. Louis Sports Talk Radio as far as the on-air stuff, not the behind-the-scenes stuff, because the Warner-Bulger thing was the most heated topic and it had it had religious overtones, and it was a yeah, I really, remember that. It was a really weird deal, and it got really hostile. Um, and it you know it, it it was it was there and gone after a year. But a lot of people going forward either pulled for Kurt Warner no matter where he was, 
because they felt like he was wronged here because he was persecuted for being outspoken about his Christianity um, and uh, or pulled for Mark Bulger because they didn't like that the people who were against her for Kurt Warner would never cheer for Mark Bulger. It was just a really weird dynamic. And I don't know what the right answer would have been. I mean, Kurt Warner got right. I mean, hell, God, what was it, the 2008 season that he led the Cardinals to... They were seconds away, and a San Antonio Holmes, you know, probably about, God, I don't even know what he was in bounds by, the tips of his toes yeah. from leading the Cardinals to a Super Bowl against the Steelers. Kerry Davis was on that Steelers team. So I don't know if Warner still had it in him or he needed some time to get right. It's not like he killed it in New York, you know, and he was the uh, the mentor for Eli Manning. I don't yeah. know. I remember... The first time the whole religion thing got brought up, we were playing, it was after the Super Bowl, <clears throat> and the media was playing a uh, charity game against the Rams. The and media, media what kind of game? What? Softball? Yeah, softball game. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's the one where I was playing second base, and I threw an underhand ball to Claiborne, and he dropped it. Oh. <laughs> nice play by you, though. <laughs> I hope somebody tells Claves about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember after the game, uh, Kurt was signing a bunch of autographs, and I think that's when he starts signing at Kurt Warner and whatever, John 316 or whatever he put on that. And I heard people afterwards just complaining that he ruined the autograph by putting the religious stuff on there. I'm like, really? He took a lot of flack for that. People didn't want that on their autograph. So that's when I knew the religion thing was starting to upset some people. Well, if that's his autograph, that's his autograph. Yeah, he can sign know. it however he wants yeah, to sign it. Yeah, I know, but he never signed that before. But then he started signing it, John 316, or whatever he was putting on there with it. Little proverbs, and people didn't. People thought it ruined the autograph. I don't want religion on my autograph. I think his stock as a quarterback took a big hit in that game in New York where he, he clearly had a concussion, and he was just throwing the ball anywhere. Yeah. And you could see that he's not right. Get him out. And he made a number of just Six fumbles. Passes. Now, through, I, yeah. God, I still can remember. I think I can remember the stat line, which is very strange. I think he threw 54 times, 34-54. And if this is right, uh, I'm, I'm going to bet an eighth of my bankroll just because I'm getting plus 7,000 on it hmm. uh, since it's a stat line from 20 years ago. But I remember being in the tunnel at Giant Stadium as he was walking off the field. And I go, oh, my, he doesn't look like he's right. Now, this no, is you after can tell the game. just watching him play. He doesn't look like he's right. Yeah. And that was, do you remember this? Can we tell old KMOV stories? So Steve Savard uh, was the Rams broadcaster, and he flies back with a team. I stay in New York, and I do a live shot from, I think it was the top of WCBS and on the, on the west side of Manhattan. And I made reference to what was a Fox Sports headline and the headline in big print was March the Moron. <laughs> yeah. And it was criticizing March for, that was the headline, like on the front page of the site, uh, for leaving Warner in. Because at the time, the Rams were still kind of this glamour team, and they were playing the Giants. They weren't playing like the Panthers or something like that, you know, so it's a big-name team. And Steve scolded me for citing the headline, and I'm just sitting there in the— On the air. On the air, yeah. yeah. I'm just sitting there in the two box, the double mm -hmm. box, where the hell you call it. I'm just like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like, I didn't call him a moron. The headline, my point was, but whatever. It's, I, I still like Steve. It's nothing against him. But I remember my photographer, he pulls out his earpiece and goes, man, I can't believe he just did that. I'm going to call him right now and tell him he was out of line. I'm like, <laughs> and then it became a big, that was another uh, St. Louis media moment. Uh, what do we have, Jackson? Kurt Warner threw it 54 times in yes. that game. Yes. Uh, it was sacked six times. 
threw a pick. It doesn't say how many fumbles he had. What about the completion? I had 34-54. Yeah, that's money. I remember him throwing just passes yards. you'd never seen him throw before, oh, not God. close to receivers. Ah, yes. and it, Six fumbles. It, it didn't. Six fumbles? Yeah. He also had a broken little finger yeah. for a while. But it didn't take a, an NFL expert to see that, hey, your quarterback's not right. You and then Bolger came out. in after that. I think Bolger then started week two. I think. I think. I mean, I know we can find that information. Uh, let's find out. Yeah. They played the Niners. It was a W, three-point win. And uh, the starting quarterback was Mark Bolger. Yeah, so yeah and he was game. very good. He was a pro bowler himself back when they, it actually meant something, when they played the game. He was MVP of the pro bowl one year. He was very good. I've forgotten in that Super Bowl that they lost to the the Patriots on the last second field goal. You forgot that? No, <laughs> what I forgot was is that I was for some reason something popped up on my on my phone. You know, I start watching these videos and they pop up, and they showed Brady getting the ball like the eighteen twenty yard line, and John Madden saying, oh, yeah. John Madden saying. Well, they should just take a knee here and get to overtime. No yep. use doing anything stupid. And then they're yep. driving down the field. Well, they proved me wrong. It w- there were two plays, if you go back and you want to torture yourself and watch that. Leonard Little's hand, I mean, I, it's like the ball goes through his hand on, I think, the first pass. Uh, one of the first passes of that drive. And then I think J.R. Redmond. I mean, when you look at the Patriots roster, you go, how in the hell did that team beat that, that Rams team, which is full of Hall of Famers? Um, especially their backfield. It was like, I mean, Antoine Smith, J.R. Redmond, Kevin Falk. I mean, these are just not... But J.R. Redmond, and I think he was able to get out of bounds or something like that. Yeah, with like 24 seconds left. He caught like three balls out of the backfield. J.R. Redmond did? I mean, yeah. I remember him out of Arizona State. Either way, it was just... It, yeah, Madden was saying you got to kneel on the ball because the Rams had all the momentum. And I still... The Martin was When Martin Kilcoin was in here, he said, I still think that if, if they win that game... The, the trajectory of St. Louis professional football and that team uh, would have changed. And I, I share that I share that opinion. Of course, there's no way to ever know. Um, but, you know, whether or not St. Louis would have been on more board, Martz never loses his mind. You don't have the civil war that would later take place between uh, Zygmunt Army and Martz and the distrust that went on. And the 2002 season was an absolute disaster. So... Yeah, man. Yeah, Madden was telling him to sit on the football with a minute 20. And, you know, because Tom Brady wasn't considered Tom Brady at that time. He was just kind of a guy. Yeah. There was a debate up until a couple of days before that Super Bowl as to whether or not Brady or Bledsoe had started. Because Brady got hurt against the Steelers. I mean, the Patriots had to win in Pittsburgh to get to the Super Bowl, and they had to do it with Brady getting hurt, and Bledsoe came in and replaced him. Fun facts for no one tell. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about it on Balloon Party. Okay. I'm no. trying to get well, him an email, good. and I'm buying time, and I just Back can't. to you, Steve. Recent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring up recent work. news. I don't know why that popped up on my phone, but I started watching yeah, it. What, what bothered it. me was Vinatieri kicked a winning field goal with about a minute and a half left, and they just let they the clock it, I, You're 100% right. They did. I mean, again, what would I mean, I think Yo Murphy would have returned it, but uh, yeah. there there should have been about three seconds left yeah, in the clock. Yeah, they just let it run. Well, that's yeah. such a nice ending. Let's just let it run. I noticed that. I was thinking, I don't remember the Rams getting the ball back. They didn't. And, and they actually, the... late, about two months later, I remember anchoring it on Channel 4, and they put a rule in that the max number of seconds a field goal could tick off was like five going forward. Because I think there were seven when he kicked it. And it just went, yeah. they just kept letting it. Because like you said, oh, it's a nice ending. Beautiful ending. Yeah. Yeah, we see some laterals here, and I thought that's what happened. Then I went through the uprights with three, and I go, no. two, one. Wait, what the clock? Why didn't it stop? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our design air heating and cooling email of the day. Hey! I've been on the Eagles bandwagon all year. 
because my lover has been on the Eagles bandwagon all year. We've had our troubles, but just like Winston Churchill said, the most seven important words in the English language, never give up, never ever give up, and I'm not about to give up that solid shaft wrapped up in those khakis. What? That's from a lady. First name is Mona, and the last name is Lot. Mona Lot. She's new. No, she's not. The soccer jerseys are pink. <laughs> yeah, they are. I saw them in Rally House this weekend. They're they're pink. <laughs> Plowhawk, do you still think the soccer jerseys are pink? Yeah, it's pink lemonade with a lime or a lemon rim. <laughs> I, I didn't see any yellow at all on the jerseys it's that, like that they're one selling. Little, like, <laughs> any of it. There's navy blue. There's Put pink. a caution tape like, sash on, on it and call it a day. Again, STL City. I'll wear one. I'm not paying 160 for it, though. So you're telling him to deliver you a free jersey? <laughs> yep. And how would that help? It's you? a T-shirt, Doug. They're 160 dollars for basically T-shirts with jer- and it's it's not a jersey. Sorry, I'm okay. done. <laughs> you feeling any better? You sound ghastly. I'm terrible now. Oh. the soccer jerseys are pink. Meh, the wallet doesn't care about winning. Meh, Pareko is charm and soft. Where oh where was our happy plow gone? Like day holes turn to night holes, the happy-go-lucky plowboy turns to Darren Plowlowski <laughs> when any St. Louis sports team is brought up. Travis Ford is done. Drink is a clown. Battlehawks are a joke. The only St. Louis sports figure who has yet to be scorched by the flaming hot takes has been Dennis Gates. I fear what began as poking the bear occasionally on Tiger Board or Blues Lounge is causing a disassociative identity enjoyed only by 101 listeners and that one Jamaican that couldn't wait to watch Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. <laughs> Don't become what you hate, Plowsy, unless, of course, it makes you millions. Then let them take flies, sweet prince. Hmm. Again, I'm enjoying the show. That's from number 16, Kenny Wu. Woo, 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 Kenny Wu. I'm an Illinois fan, so why would I cheer for Mizzou? Oh, here you go. What up? Well, you can be fans of both, really. Yeah. Sam removed his sports bra to reveal his plump and juicy Rodericks. Oh, The Roderick. slightest whisper <laughs> of moisture dripped from his right breast, so I wiped away his excess sweat. I stared at his rack and only muttered one single word. Supple. I audibly moaned to myself. I was visibly aroused and leaned in for a kiss, but when Sam stopped me and said, I can't get frisky right now, I'm late for my weekend job where I interrupt funny talk radio segments that people want to hear so I can fulfill my extremely sad fantasy by playing outdated and unwanted Hoosier music. Oh. I passionately replied, you're always working. I appreciate that you stopped hosting your 10-minute daily podcast about pubes, but you still put in three hours of work per day. And now you want to interrupt the Sinbad interview to play all the unnecessary songs that nobody asked for on the weekends, too? Don't you want to stay here and experience a hole such as this? <laughs> and that's the story of the time I canceled my boys' trip to the Smoky Mountains so I could spend more time with Sam. Doug, that's from the JV Golf Coach. Sure it is. JV Golf Coach. I know a lot about editing best of TMA content, and it's great. How's Darren Atkins? <laughs> Are we going to bring that back? How about that hole? How about that hole? How about that whole deal? My favorite part of Plowsy's explanation of why he programs the three most recent shows to play on repeat is that he doesn't want to burn through the 600-plus segments of best of programming as if there would be dire consequences if we quote-unquote ran out. It's like we're stranded on a desert island with 600 gallons of drinking water that has to be carefully rationed and forcing us to drink our own urine on the weekends. <laughs> Never mind that, Iggy is here to save the day, no, not by pitching in and 
helping edit more best of segments or programming the automation for the weekends and off days, but by volunteering to come in on Saturdays and play music the most of the audience doesn't want to hear. Mm. Personally, I would, enjoy, I would enjoy it, but most TMA listeners would rather just hear the Sinbad interview for the 30th time than hear Iggy cram 50-year-old songs down their throats. It's a moot point anyway because Iggy doesn't know how to run the board and certainly wouldn't accept any help from KG and O-Town. Iggy did express some interest in learning to run the board himself because it might open the door to him getting to fill in on Keishi, his lifelong dream that he could have fulfilled in November if not for wanting to sleep in and make an afternoon of it at the masturbation station. Mm. Since we're discussing prizes that never got delivered, next time Iggy slides into Brian Gross's DMs to beg for a new AVN category for media members, can you please ask about my autographed Maitland Ward book? That's from Buckswope. Oh, gosh. Buckswope with a nice little email. And finally, hello, as a first-year birthing coach, I'm not going to pick the low-hanging fruit of pointing out just how poor today's performance was. A lesser coach might question the start to the show where Plowsy confusingly explained his illness and his treatment plan as, quote, not quite for sure, but this is something I like to call a virus. Could be major, could be minor, might have to wear a mask, but I'm just going to power through these blueberries <laughs> and pump the simple sugars to combat this thing I like to call a virus, because that's what the body needs. Someone less focused on the good parts of your show might be tempted to fast forward through the abrupt hijacking Iggy felt compelled to blurt out in perfect three-act story arc structure smack dab in the middle of a live read, which went like this. I like shopping. I used Instacart during COVID. Like I said, I like shopping. So grocery shopping is something I like. <laughs> I simply don't think it's productive to pay mind to the prizes that are habitually not sent out to the loyal supporters of your show because Rick was mistakenly too busy snorting nose beers <laughs> and dancing with himself near the vending machine where Plowsy banged his gal. It wouldn't be my style to second-guess your shockingly strategic approach of admonishing the listeners after they harped on and on and on about their displeasure for the Sinbad All Day app. <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Playing the same two segments on a loop for 72 hours straight. What I think is important to zero in on what you did right. For a second time, you made the audience glaringly aware that the unfinished golf video that you've broken down for nine months in excruciating fashion, hole by nauseating hole, is finished, pending some finishing touches that haven't been completed in a couple hours' worth of work on final edits and graphics and then rendering. Mm. But it's basically finished and might be out in the next month or two. So feather in your cap, boys. I think we can all agree that hanging your hats on something you didn't do that isn't quite done is something worthy of being celebrated. So good on you. Thanks. Where do I book my sound story with Ashley Martin? Mm. Doug, that's what we have for the design, air, heating, and cooling email today. What's you got in? Uh, I'll go with where do I book my sound story with Ashley Martin. Was that the name? That's correct. Oh, I thought they were asking a question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I like Ashley Martin. There you go. Ashley oh. Martin has shipped the design, air, heating, and cooling email today. Jackson and I are a minute into balloon party, yet we're oh, down here. Up. We got to go. Bye. All right.